Uh, I've loved the book of Haggai. This is our third one in this book of the Bible. Um, I can talk doing this, but this doesn't count towards my time limit because Richard's still handing them out. So it's, um, this doesn't count, so it's all right. There's loads I could have said from this. I'm not even going to mention the fact that this name for God, the Lord Almighty, comes up so many times. What is that telling us? Listen to last week's service uh, if that is something that interests you. But um, there's loads in the book of Haggai, and I've really been encouraged, and I've needed it this week. It's been really helpful. Um, so, yeah, I hope we have a good time this morning. How are you feeling this morning? How are you doing? Other than warm and tired, everyone's tired. There's no need to tell us that. How are you doing? How are you feeling at the moment? It's been, it's been quite a long 16 months, hasn't it? It's been quite a long 16 months. How are you feeling about it all? Like, think back to the start of 2020. How many of us have had a holiday or an event or just something that we wanted to do taken away from us? How many of those plans that we had at the start of 2020 actually happened the way we thought they would happen or happened at all? Like none of the last year and a bit has gone how we'd hoped it would, is it? And even now, we still can't do so many things that we'd love to be able to do. And the dates for when we might be able to do those keep seem to be moving further and further away. It's all a bit disappointing, isn't it? I remember back, 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 back last March thinking, oh, it'll all be over by Christmas. <laughs> yeah, things are better than they have been, granted. The fact we can be here, the fact we can sing outside, the fact we can eat together. But they're still not what we'd hoped for. So how are you feeling at the moment? How are you feeling when you think about the last year and a half? I imagine many of us feel that, feel quite disappointed by it all. And the truth is, it's, it's really easy to feel disappointed about just all sorts of things, isn't it? Especially if you're anything like me. Like life generally might not be how we dreamed it would be. Jobs aren't quite what we hoped they'd be. We're not doing what we thought we would be when we got to this age. Marriage, relationships, friendships, or lack of all of those things not quite how we imagined or dreamed. We've celebrated 16 years this year of Avenue Church. Maybe some of us who were here at the start are just, it's not as good as it used to be. This isn't what I hoped church would be like. See, at any time, in, in loads of different areas in our life, it doesn't take much for us to feel the three Ds. Disappointed, discouraged, and demotivated. It doesn't take much for a lot of us to very quickly feel the three Ds, disappointed, discouraged, and demotivated. Maybe you resonate with that. If you know me well enough, you know that's what happens with me. The people in Haggai chapter 2 were feeling exactly that, though. Chapter 2 starts on the 17th of October, 520 BC. That's when we can pin down that date to in that second year of King Darius. And this is almost a month after the end of chapter 1. Now, this was an important date for the people of Judah at this time because it was during the Feast of the Tabernacles, which was one of their religious celebrations where they remembered all the things God had done for them in the past. But along with being the Feast of Tabernacles, this big religious thing, this date was also during the anniversary of Solomon dedicating the original magnificent temple, the one that had been destroyed when the Babylonians invaded, and the one that they started rebuilding at the end of chapter 1. So immediately, these people are thinking back, thinking about what life was like, thinking about what they're doing now, and a month on from them starting this work again. I think these people are disappointed, discouraged, and demotivated, to the point 
to the point of giving up. Look at how they feel, verse 3. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? So which of you remember what it used to look like? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Like compared to the good old days, this temple's just pathetic. What's the point? It isn't going to be as good as I hoped it would be. There's no chance of it being as good as it was. And this is all just too hard work. So why bother? Again, perhaps that's a very familiar feeling for many of us today at points. And to people feeling that way, God sends Haggai. Again, with a message. God has got a message for disappointed, discouraged, and demotivated people. This is it. Be strong. Be strong. I mean, listen for the the command that he repeats in verse 4. He couldn't be clearer the amount of times he repeats it. Listen to the command in verse 4. But now... Be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedat, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Be strong. Be strong. Keep doing the work I've called you to do. Be strong and keep going. Oh, you might feel tired and weak and discouraged and like it's not worth it, but don't give up. Be strong. Which is all well and good, isn't it? But when I hear commands like that when I don't feel particularly strong, it can feel a bit like me shouting at the Wales match on the TV yesterday. Even if I was in the stadium, even with so few fans there, my shouts of encouragement to an exhausted Gareth Bale to keep going aren't actually going to help. It's just going to make him feel more guilty for being tired in the first place, isn't it? And so often I feel like commands in the Bible like, be strong, can feel a bit like the same, can't they? Yeah, all right, I'll be strong, thanks. <laughs> I just managed to lock my uh, tablets and I can't see what I'm saying. Oh, no, for you. Yeah, those commands in the Bible can feel a bit like that sort of discouraging thing. Like, God's telling us to be strong, that's really clear, but how am I going to do that? How exactly am I going to be strong? What use is this instruction from God? Or is this actually just another thing we should just feel a bit more guilty about? Well, thankfully, that isn't what this is. (laughs) And God doesn't stop just with that command. Because along with the instruction, the command, be strong, he also gives his people two encouragements why they should be strong. Two truths, two promises for discouraged, disappointed, and demotivated people to focus on. And so the first encouragement God tells them is this. Be strengthened by God's presence. The first encouragement God tells them is be strengthened by God's presence. We've already read most of verse 4 by now, um, but to those people, he says, Be strong, Zerubbabel, be strong, Joshua, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For, meaning because, I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. God says, be strong, keep going, don't quit. Why? Because I'm with you. I am with you. Now, switched on folks will spot that God told them this exact promise at the end of chapter one. So why is God having to say this again like so soon? That was only four weeks ago in the book of Haggai. But he's got to say it again so soon because we're really thick and we are really forgetful. 
So God has to remind us again and again of the promises that he's made for us. God says, I am with you. I promised I would be with you right the way back when you came out of slavery in Egypt. And nothing's changed in my promise since then. I can't leave you. I don't change. I'm still God. Yes, God disciplines children he loves. And that's hard. And it might feel like it, but he never abandons his children completely. He's promised he won't do that. So be strong because the Lord Almighty is with you still. This is a promise God gives his people loads of times throughout the Old Testament in their history. Maybe you can think of references, maybe share those at home group. But this is a reminder that he doesn't break and will not break his promises. He cannot break his promises. I am with you. I'm still with you. So be strong and keep doing what you're called to do and this is a promise that's still true for us 2,541 years after the book of Haggai was written and we know this promise is true Richard showed us earlier because the New Testament gives us this same promise it's all the way through the New Testament but we're going to look at just two examples of it today so we're going to see two New Testament verses where God repeats this promise two repeats of this promise So Richard shared one of them already from Matthew chapter 28, where the risen Jesus is sending out his disciples to go on this building work, this mission that he gives them. And he says, Jesus came to them, said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is the building work. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And how are we going to keep doing that? And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, Jesus starts the building project he calls all of us to be a part of with the exact same reminder God gives his people here in Haggai 2. I am with you. Jesus is with us. God is with us. If you're a Christian, he is with you closer today than he possibly was through his temple. And he's with us in a more personal and close way than he could be if Jesus had even stayed on earth as a man. Because when he descended to heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit, Jesus, through that, lives in us and with us day in, day out. Always, to the very end of the age. The second New Testament verse we're going to look at is one that if you've been to any of the Esmonts or prayer meetings or you're a part of the team, you'll hopefully recognize this one. They're words that God speaks to the early missionary, uh, Paul. He's running all over the shop and he's in Corinth, in Greece, and he's feeling pretty discouraged too. People are getting pretty abusive. They're kicking off. And in Acts 18, verses 9 and 10, it says these words. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. Keep building, for I am with you. And no one's going to attack you and harm you because I have many people in this city. I am with you. Do you see that? It's all the way through the New Testament. I wish we had time to go through them all. We don't. It's the same encouragement. So keep going. So if any of us here this morning are feeling discouraged, disappointed, and demotivated, we can be strong because he's with us. So where are you feeling those three Ds today? Or where might you be prone to feeling those three Ds in the future? Now for some of us, that could be in our search for truth about who God really is whether we can even trust this God of the Bible, or if Jesus is really worth following at all, or if Christianity is worth any of our attention. 
And it could be when our friends mock us and our families and friends are not supportive. God says to us, don't give up. Be strong. I am with you. And God is with us when we search for him. For some, that might just be the ongoing battle of trying to live wholeheartedly for Jesus in a world that tells us it's pointless and in the face of repeated discouragements. Don't give up. Be strong. God is with us. For some, that might be in the energy and the motivation to keep apart and keep loving and serving our church family. God says, don't give up. That's what he's called us to. Be strong. He's with us. For some of us, that might be in the battle to overcome temptation and sins and struggles that we just keep failing at, it feels like. Or in our temper or our constant battle about whatever challenge it may be, God says, don't give up. Be strong. I am with you. For some of us, that might be in our ongoing prayers and our witness to our friends and family who just seem to not even care about looking at the Bible and this truth that's so important to us. God says, don't give up. Be strong. I am with you. Keep doing it. For some of us, that's going to be the team here in Ayers Monsal or going around the world to share the gospel, to grow a church. And we look at the size of the work we're called to and it just feels overwhelming. Be strong. Keep going. God is with us. This can be in our marriages, our parenting, in our relationships with others, in our workplaces and mission fields, in our ongoing walk with God. Wherever we're called to serve him and obey him, God says, be strong. Keep going because I am with you. And I'll help you. And I'll give you that strength. So where are we discouraged and feeling like giving up at the moment? What illness or situation or frustration are we facing that makes us feel like that? What relationships or temptations are just too hard and too exhausting or like it's not even worth it? Well, God says, be strong. Keep going. I am with you. And when we live for him, God's presence with us in all of life gives us strength to keep going and to do what we're called to do. When we live for him, God's presence with us in all of life gives us strength and energy and motivation to keep going and to do what we're called to do. So whatever it is you are called to right now, however hard it might feel, however long-lasting it might feel, or however impossible it might seem, be strong. Because God is with you. Be strong in the strength God gives when he lives in you to keep us going. He's promised he will keep us going. He's kept you this far. And he still hasn't changed. And nothing you can do if you've been forgiven by God through Jesus' death in your place, nothing you can do, no matter how often you fail, can stop God loving you or taking away his forgiveness and his presence. Nothing. Because there's more grace in God than there is sin in any of us. But I have to say this is all true, but it's only true if we are one of his people. And if we are seeking to serve him. So this strength that God gives us isn't for us to just run after selfish desires. Things that God knows and says aren't good. Or things that distract us from the building project he's called us to. If these are things God says a person who loves him shouldn't do. God isn't going to strengthen us to do that. No, God calls us away from doing those things. But will give us strength to resist that temptation. To turn from it. And to start obeying him more. And this promise is also only true if we are one of his people in the first place. You see, when Haggai speaks, God wasn't 
the same, uh, wasn't with the nations around in the same way he was with his special covenant people. This promise is just to them. This encouragement is only to God's people. So let me ask you, are you one of God's people today? Are you someone who knows their sins forgiven by Jesus' death on the cross? And do you know that because you have a desire to obey God in everything you do out of gratitude and thankfulness for all he's done for you? I said a desire. You're not going to get it right all the time. You're going to fail. But a desire to obey God. Is he both your saviour and your Lord? Because if not, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but currently these encouragements aren't for you. And that sounds harsh. We don't like hearing that, but it's the truth the Bible declares. None of these encouragements and strengthenings are for you if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But they can be. And they can be because in that sending command we've looked at earlier in Matthew 28, Jesus tells his disciples to go and make more disciples of all nations and all people, everyone. There is no one who God doesn't offer this forgiveness, this peace, and this strength to. So if you do not yet know him as your own Lord and Savior, why not put that right today? If God is speaking to you, and we believe he does speak whenever his word is taught, then he is wanting you to come to him and know him being with you as one of his people. Will it make life any easier? Probably not. Will it make life any simpler or those challenges that we have to face any smaller? I'm not going to lie, probably not. But it means that you can know in the middle of whatever storm you're in, the incredible truth that God tells his people here. I am with you. The God of heaven and earth, the Lord Almighty of all hosts and all armies is with us, strengthening us. So we don't need to be afraid. If you want to know more about this, if you're not yet a Christian today and you want to change that, please speak to somebody. Do something about this as quick as you can. People here would love to chat about this more than anything else, more than even football. And for those of us who know that we are God's people, I want to just ask, is the promise of God's permanent presence with us day in, day out, is that something that we use to strengthen us in our battles and in our fight? And in our energy, is that something we use to help others in their battles and their strength and, and their weakness? Is that something that keeps us going? Because the Bible presents it as a huge motivation. God is with us. So let's remind each other of this whenever anyone's feeling the three Ds. And let's encourage each other to keep going and be strong. Our feelings of those three Ds, they don't change the truth. God is with us. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And he's with us till the end of time. And he'll help us, and he'll keep us, and he'll give us strength. So be strong. But thankfully, God gives his people one more promise to strengthen them. And the second encouragement that God gives is this. Be strengthened by future glory. Be strengthened by future glory. And we see that in verses 6 and 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations. And what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Once more, God says. 
Once more begs the question, doesn't it? When did God shake things in the past? If he's done it once, that means if he's done it once more, he must have done it once before. And so we need to figure out what this is talking about. And all through the Old Testament, the earth shakes whenever God comes down to speak to his people. So, for example, in Exodus 19, verse 8, that describes God shaking things. Exodus 19, verse 8, describes God shaking somewhere. It says, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. See, all through the Old Testament, when God comes to earth, it shakes. And here, God promises he's going to shake the whole earth, the whole of creation, once again. So, when does God come to earth again? Well, we know the answer to that, most of us. That's in Jesus. God made flesh. Emmanuel, God come to us. So, so why did Jesus come? What was the temple that Jesus came to build? Because verse 9 says the glory of that temple is going to be greater than the glory of any temple before. So, what temple is God talking about here? Is it the one that the people of Haggai are building here in this book? Well, sort of. Yeah, sort of. A few years after this chapter, Darius, the Persian king, he makes all of the nations give a load of silver and gold to the people of Judah to make their temple better. That's in Ezra 6, if you're interested. So that's why I think God says, the silver's mine and the gold is mine. You're disappointed at how rubbish your temple's going to be. I'll give you the silver and the gold. Chill out. But that temple gets destroyed. So that can't be the promised temple, because if it gets destroyed, that doesn't seem to fit this description. So what about the next temple that is then built? The one that Herod the Great builds for the people. That was an incredible building. If you get a chance, look at some of the descriptions of that building. It was amazing. But that also gets destroyed. So what is this talking about? Was God wrong? Has God made a mistake? There's no temple there now in Jerusalem if you go there. Well, Haggai 2 verse 6 is quoted in the New Testament in Hebrews 12 verse 26. Haggai 2 verse 6 is quoted in the New Testament in Hebrews 12 verse 26. And the book of Hebrews is a letter written to a group of Jewish Christians who, like the people in Haggai's day, they were discouraged and they wanted to give up and just sack off Christianity altogether. And Hebrews is urging its readers that following Jesus is completely worth it, worth more than anything else. And so keep going, don't give up. One of the ways the writer encourages them to do this is by reminding the people of God's presence with them. But then also this in chapter 12, verse 26. At that time, speaking about the Mount Sinai stuff that we talked about earlier, his voice shook the earth. But now he's promised, once more I will shake not only the heavens, the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. It's a bit confusing, but basically the writer there is telling God's people to think about the future, about the time when God will remove all those things that can be shaken, the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. That's all of creation. So when all that is shaken and moved and got rid of, and to look forward to that time when Jesus will come to earth once again and will do the ultimate shaking, when he'll put an end to all sin that ruins his creation, and when he'll call all all of his people throughout history and throughout the world to come and live with him as his people forever. When the hidden things, God's kingdom, will be the things that remain and the visible things, the things we all get so easily distracted by, are going to be done away with. 
we get a clearer picture of what this is talking about uh, a bit later in the Bible, in John's vision in Revelation 21, where the temple is replaced with something well, better. Revelation 21, I'm not going to put the words on the screen, but if you want to look at them, uh, the, the reference is there. There's too many words for this. Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will, uh, will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And then verse 22, John writing this book says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city doesn't need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there'll be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. In the original language, that's echoes of that what is desired by all nations in Haggai 2 verse 7. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 21 describes the future glory that God tells Haggai's listeners about. Revelation 21 is describing the future glory that God is telling Haggai's listeners about in clearer vision than they knew. That's where Haggai's pointing to, to the great shaking at the end of time when all tears will be wiped away, where sadness, death and pain are no more, a place where people from every nation will live in peace. Haggai points us to a place where suffering is finished where children and friends and family don't get ill, where they don't go without food, where loving relationships aren't severed by death or sin, where natural disasters don't destroy homes and lives anymore, where debt doesn't exist, where there's no more pandemics, where there's no more crying, there's no more face masks, because there's nothing to hide and there's no crying to be done. Doesn't that place sound amazing? Doesn't that sound incredible? But there's a problem. Verse 27, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. So we've got no hope, have we? We've got no hope. We, we're all people who do wrong things. All of us, no matter how good you might appear on a Sunday morning, all of us do wrong things. So we can't get in which means we'll be left outside to face the destruction of the shaking that God talks about. What hope is there? How do we avoid being left out of this incredible place? When we die, how do we know what's going to happen to us? Well, thankfully, verse 27 still tells us, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We can be included in this promised future, in eternal life after death, only by having our names written in the Lamb's book of life. 
We can be included in this promised future, in eternal life after death, only by having our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Nothing else. No good living, no baptism, no whatever it may be. Not even taking the Lord's Supper will guarantee this for you. The only thing that will guarantee entrance into that city is your name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that means... The only way of doing that is by trusting in Jesus, the Lamb of God, who died as the sacrifice that all the temple sacrifices pointed forward to, who took the punishment for all of our sin that you can ever have done and ever will do. And as he does that, he offers us his complete perfection. Have you done that? Have you done that? Have you asked for this forgiveness? Do you have confidence that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that your wrongdoing is cleaned and that your future is secure? If you don't have that confidence, I'm going to ask the same question I asked earlier. Why not? You can have it today. Give up living for yourself and trust in the Lord Jesus and in what he's done to make this incredible future available to all of us. And this is a gift. It's won for us at great cost through his death but it's made freely available to us all if we'll receive it through faith. There's no one too bad. There's no one too good. We all need it. So don't put off sorting this out. Do it today. Speak to someone and get this sorted. Because then that future certainty can give you huge peace now, as God says in verse 9 of Haggai 2. Peace in the middle of all of the storms of life. The peace and the joy of God's presence with us no matter what and an eternal future of unending peace guaranteed for us. Peace with God. But for those of us who do know this forgiveness, do we think about that enough? Do we think about this glorious future enough? Is it something that we remember and we dwell upon when we're called to sacrifice, whatever it may be, comfort, pleasure loads of good things we've been asked to give up for following Jesus time money energy whatever it is do we think about the future glory we're guaranteed when we're called to give things up for the sake of obeying God because the Bible repeats all the way through it heaven is worth it the new heavens and the new earth will be worth it heaven is worth any suffering and any sadness now any sacrifice we're called to make now, anything we have to give up, any pain, any hurt, any sorrow, any loss, it's worth it. This life is a brief sneeze of time compared to eternity. Eternity is worth it. The Apostle Paul really means it when he says in Romans 8 verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Or compared to the glory of heaven, any suffering now will pale into insignificance what stops us believing that I mean there are so many things that stop me believing that truth do we believe this to be true how precious is this future glory to us because all through the New Testament again I wish we had time God's presence with his people and the future hope of heaven is a huge motivator to keep going to keep sacrificing to keep living for him to keep building in this building project when people face difficulties discouragements and disappointments so why don't we be thinking what can we all do to help each other remember this truth even more I mean firstly we've got to be honest when we're feeling the three d's we need people we can talk to about this but then when people do 
let's not go with glib answers. Let's be encouraging people to focus on the truths the Bible tells us to give us strength, to motivate us, to keep us going. What are we doing to remind ourselves daily and each other of these truths? This is why we need to be people who are at church on Sundays, because we need this reminding often because we forget it so easily. This is why we need to be regularly in each other's lives during the week or through home groups or wherever. This is why we need to be talking to each other because I need this reminder from you, is what I'm saying. <laughs> and the Bible tells me you need it from me. Because like the people in Hagar, we forget far too quickly. These truths help us battle disappointment, discouragement, and demotivation whether that's now or in the future so let's let's cling on to these truths let's remember them let's look for ways to remind each other of them let's keep searching in God's word day in day out with each other on our own let's keep finding these truths let's not forget let's keep reminding ourselves of these truths that God gives us to strengthen us let's be strengthened by God's presence let's be people strengthened by the future glory he promises us so let's keep going let's be strong Let's keep building for him.